Just because you can do something doesn't always mean you should do something. And here's what I mean by that. When my kids were five and three, uh, they had yet to go sledding, snow sledding on a large hill. And so a friend of mine, Cameron, had a little boy and we decided to take them sledding. It was perfect weather for it. You know, you could, uh, it wasn't so icy that, you know, you hurt yourself, but it was soft, but pliable. You could make things out of the snow. So we went to this hill at a golf course and uh, we were sending the kids down. And, you know, at that age, you send them down and then you walk down and you pull them back up, right? This is how it works. So we were doing that for a while and getting pretty tired. And we thought as fathers, we should have some fun too. And one of the things we thought would be fun is we should build a ramp. Our kids haven't experienced that. So down at the bottom of the hill, we built this nice little ramp. Um, but someone had to go first. So why not me? So Cameron was a very large guy and he decided to give me a shove. So I got going pretty good down this hill and it was actually going really well. I hit that ramp perfectly. I mean, it was, it was awesome. I got some air on that. But when my body uh, was reacquainted with this earthly sod, um, about 95% of me was still on the sled, but my left leg was not. And so I heard a nice little pop and a lot of pain. And when the earth stopped moving, so did I. So my wife realized something was wrong when he walked through the front door of our home carrying me like a, a bride uh, <laughs> through the threshold of the door. So crutches, therapy, weeks of kind of rubbing out the scar tissue. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And there's always those ideas, you know as well as I do. Some of you have done some things and you're like, I think this will work. But it doesn't. And we have thousands of videos online, don't we? Of individuals who have epic fails. People who have jumped off of a roof to try to land in a pool, but only halfway get in, Right? Uh, students, you know that there are challenges out there, right? Whether, uh, whether it's on Snapchat or Instagram or something, there are different challenges that are out there to try to dance outside of a moving car when you get hit by other moving cars. Like, it's not, it, you can do it, but the question is, should you do it? Trying to jump uh, a ramp with an electric scooter, these kind of things, they sound good in the moment, but oftentimes we experience the often swift, immediate agony and pain of the experience of making a choice that we probably shouldn't have made. Just because you should or can do something doesn't always mean that you should do that. Too bad we don't treat sin the same way, right? Most of us, when it comes to ideas, we process and we go, I'm not sure that jumping off the roof into the pool, like there's some bad things that could happen here. So we avoid those. But when it comes to sin, we oftentimes don't process what, what's, the, what's the worst that could happen? What if I get found out? What is the agony and the disaster that could come from me making a choice to choose sin instead of choosing 
what God would have for us. You know, for students, you know, what could go wrong with cheating on a school assignment or skipping school, right? What about a failed class? What about being kicked out of school, which is really hard if you're homeschooled? It's not being accepted into the school of your choice, the shame of your family. You know, for some, what could go wrong with lying just a little bit on your resume? What about the loss of your job after you've already relocated, settled in, not being able to pay for all the debt that you've incurred? And for some, it's greed that causes us to want something so much that we purchase things that we can't afford. Well, what's the worst that could happen, right? Credit cards allow us to do that. But that greed leads us to make decisions and we wind up in buried in debt, the inability to pay rent or mortgage, watching your car be towed away. And what about a little bit of flirtation in the workplace? Or how about adultery? The ramifications, the consequences can be a broken marriage, children that grow up seeing a failed relationship, families that are torn from each other, friendships that are dissolved. Many of you know, just like I do, individuals who have suffered the almost immediate agony and consequences of choosing to sin. They can, but should they? We can do, we have freedom to do what we want, but the scriptures are pretty clear that there are some things we ought not to do. You see, first and second Peter, there's a theme that runs through these books. And that theme is the idea of living holy, being holy, following God's way, not the world's, not our cultures, but following after God in the midst of whatever is happening around us or to us. Peter and God are calling us to live out a life that is holy. And we see this reflected over and over again. If you've been with us over the last month, chapter one, this is kind of the main verse here, but chapter one, Peter says, as obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, when you just did whatever you wanted to do before you came to know Christ. But just as he called you, he who called you is holy, So be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. There's a target, there's a mark that God has for us to be like Christ. And whenever we're a little bit off, it looks good, but we're a little bit off, we miss the mark. And that's what sin is. It's missing the target, missing the mark that God has for us. He has something better, something more. Chapter two, we continue with this idea, this theme Peter says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify on the day he visits us. Even in the midst of a culture that doesn't value living right, living godly, Peter says, oh, but live it out because they will see that difference in our world. Chapter four, 
So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Peter says, listen, some of you are gonna suffer for doing the right thing. There's gonna be persecution. You're gonna face that. Peter himself was persecuted, was martyred because of his faith. And Peter says, but listen, even in the midst of your suffering for following Christ, continue to do good. Continue to live this out because God will receive the glory. The target is holiness. It's right living. It's godliness. Last week, both Peters, the one in scripture and the one who was preaching, reminded us of God's prophecy and the promised return of Jesus in 2 Peter chapter one, that Jesus is coming back. He's going to return. And when he does, he will judge humanity for what we did with Jesus and how we lived for him. So for the early church in the first century, there were people following Jesus who, because they were set free from their sin, because Jesus died for them and rose again, they thought, this is great. Now I can do whatever I want to do. And they used their freedom as a license to sin and to do what they wanted to. And that leads us to 2 Peter chapter 2 today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start with chapter 1. We're just going to skim through some of the section on chapter 2. But Peter begins with these words. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Peter says that even in Christianity, there are those that sound good, they sound kind of right, but they're a little off. A heresy is something that is false, is wrong. And in the early church, docetism was kind of the big heresy of the day and it was shot down from the church. But it was this idea that, that your physical body and your spiritual life were separated. So you could do whatever you wanted to physically and it didn't affect your relationship with God spiritually. It's a heresy. But I find that in our culture today, there are many people who seem to live this out as though they can do whatever they want, but they still feel like that they are directly connected with God and that everything is good. You know, I have to confess that uh, recently I was watching a show, it's called The Bachelorette. I know, we can talk about that later. It was research. Uh, but I found it fascinating because near the end of the show, I was watching uh, with my wife and near the end of the show there was uh, a character, this is funny, I don't remember the Bachelorette's name, but this guy I remember, Luke P. Anybody? Okay. She had this relationship with this guy, and they were getting pretty close, and I think, you know, he was hoping that she would pick him, right? But near the end of the show, they got into this huge fight because this guy named Luke believed that you should not be intimate until after you're married, and he was asking her questions as to whether or not she believed the same. And she became very angry and very emotional, 
broke off the relationship, turned into a big thing on the show, but one of her statements stuck out to me. She said to him on air, went out, that I can do whatever I want and sleep with whoever I want and Jesus still loves me. I thought, wow. It took me back to this passage that there are some who think that no matter what they do, it's okay. That's a heresy. Does Jesus love her? Let me get this right. Yes, but he does not love sin. And Peter is calling the church and God's word is calling us to be discerning as to what is right and what is wrong and to live in what is right, to be holy. We don't have to judge people, meaning put them down or think less of them because we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all equal. It's not judging others because of who they are, but we, church, have been called to judge what is right and what is wrong and to live rightly. And I think in our culture, we, we don't do a good job. We blur that. And we don't do a good job. We think that being tolerant is the way to go. But church, God is calling us to stand up. Why? Because when we fall into sin, we bring swift destruction on ourselves. Immediately on that show, there was broken relationships. There was anger. There was hurt. There was agony that happened. Why? Because there was sin involved. And there's not one of us here who hasn't sinned and experience that direct agony and that pain that comes from the consequences. And it's not God punishing us, it's the consequences of our own sin. It's the brokenness, sin destroys. And so Peter is saying, listen, they brought it on themselves. This isn't something that God was trying to do to them. God doesn't want us to experience that pain and agony. It's why he sent his son Jesus to pay the price for our sin. He even uses the word bought. It is Christ who bought them with his sacrifice on the cross. There is a price to pay. There is a punishment for sin. Jesus took it on for our souls. So why do we live in it? Why do we wind up dealing with our own agony by falling back into sin? Here's what I want us to get. When you fail to judge, that means when you fail to discern what is right according to God's word and what is not. Wow, thank you, God. (laughs) Man, you're talking on judgment and there's like thunder and stuff? This is good. (laughs) When you fail to judge what is right and what is wrong, you fall into judgment. You yourself put yourself into a place of judgment and often punishment when you fail to discern what is righteous and what is not. And so Peter wants us to understand. So he gives us several illustrations, and we're not going to go through uh, in detail, but several stories from the Old Testament. He says, listen, there are fallen angels. There are angels who have sinned. And he says this in verse four, God did not spare angels when they sinned. 
But he sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. In verse five, speaking of the flood that destroyed humanity, he says, and God did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people. Speaking of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. And then individuals who blaspheme angels, that is, they think that they are better than God's created uh, beings, and they put them down thinking that they are better. He says, they are unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. These are pretty strong words. And then Balaam is the last example, which was a prophet in the Old Testament whose greed caused him to be like a prophet for hire and a foreign nation hired him to put curses on Israel and he tried but failed multiple times because God stopped him from doing that and at one point even had to cause the donkey that he was riding on to talk to Balaam and tell him to knock it off. All of these examples that Peter gives are examples of individuals who knew what was right and didn't live in it. They lived ungodly lives, and because of that, they faced the swift destruction and judgment that came upon them. What I also find fascinating, though, is that both the story of the flood in Sodom and Gomorrah, Peter says that God rescued or saved Noah and his family because they were righteous. And he saved Lot and his family because they were righteous. And so Peter says in verse nine, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. If you are living right, if you're living holy, God knows how to rescue you from trials, but he also knows how to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. John chapter one, verse 14 says, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Oftentimes, church, we are really good with the one. We don't like to hear the other. The truth is that God loves us. He hates sin. He wants to rescue those who are godly and he will punish the sin of those who are not. Peter is calling the church. He's saying, listen, when you fail to judge, you fall into judgment. Discern what is right, what is godly, and live in it. You know, the last section that I'll talk about is this verse here, 20. He says, if they, meaning Christians, the church, people who have already received Christ, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It's a tough verse. Peter's talking to the church and he's saying, listen, if you've experienced, if you've been bought with the blood of Christ and you've experienced salvation, then you know the freedom from sin. If you get caught up in it again, you're gonna be worse off than you were if you hadn't known Christ. Wow. 
If you fail to judge, you fall into judgment. This is the teaching uh, that Peter is trying to get across to the church, to be holy. He's praying that the church itself would, would become more discerning of what is right and wrong. But there is a judgment reserved for those who continue to live in sin. There is a real hell. There will be a return of Christ. And this is not to be feared for those who are living holy. For those who have experienced God's salvation, his freedom, and continue to walk in it, there's nothing to fear because Christ has paid the price. It's not meant to scare us into faith, but to call us into a way of living that honors God. Church, we're called to discern and to judge what is godly, what is not, and to follow the ways of God. He's given us freedom to do what we ought, not what we want. It's freedom to do what we ought to follow him. But we live in a me culture, don't we? It's all about satisfying ourselves. What would it look like if we began to discern a little bit more and began to live in godliness and live in holiness? You see, we lie about who we are on social media to get attention for ourselves, to make ourselves look better, rather than finding our true worth in our relationship with Christ. We go into debt to please ourselves rather than to ask, how can we be stewards of all that God has given us? How can we use what God has given for his kingdom? We lust after sexual desires using the internet and apps to look at and even connect with others to enjoy their pleasure or our pleasure rather than to seek the true design of sexual intimacy with our spouse and to show the world what it means for God to love his people like a groom loves his bride. We use substances, legal, illegal, to make ourselves feel good and escape the emotional agony that's going on in our lives rather than discovering the beauty of true worship and being filled with his spirit that guides us. Because of the way we're living, we often face the often immediate agony and consequences of our own sin. Broken relationships, empty lives, purposeless lives, depression, anxiety, they can be results of the sin that we're living in. But God has something more for us. He calls us to be holy. And when we walk in it, there is joy and there is peace. Can there be suffering for doing what is good? Yes. But in the midst of that, God promises his own power to help us walk through that. His presence to be with us. When you fail to judge, you fall into judgment. God has something better for us. If you're an unbeliever, if you wound up in church today, you're watching online and you're thinking, I don't know about this Christianity thing, I think this makes sense to you because you know what the world offers and it ain't good. And you've tried to live on your own and it don't work. Why? Because God created you for something more. And he has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die 
to pay the punishment for your sin, not so that you can fall back into it, but so you can live above it. And you can live holy and you can know your creator and you can know eternal life, the freedom from eternal punishment. Man, I wish that for you. It means asking God to forgive you of your sins and to come in and become the Lord of your life, to surrender and say, God, I've tried it my way. I need to try your way. And I hope you would make that decision if you haven't. For some of you, you've made that decision, but you're new in the faith. And so every week you show up in a growth group. If you're in one, you should be in one, or you show up for worship and you hear things and you're like, oh, I didn't know the Bible said that. I didn't know I should stop doing that. That's all right. It's a journey. But when you discover those things in your life that don't line up with what God has for you, your, your next step is to simply surrender and go, okay, God, I didn't realize this. I do now. I'm gonna surrender and say yes to you and begin to walk in this. And then for some of you, you've been walking in the light for a long period of time and sometimes it can become numb. Maybe this morning, this is a challenge for you to simply say, it's time to reevaluate. And this week, just simply in your time of prayer and silence, just say, God, is there anything in me that needs correction, that needs to change so that I can live the way that you've called me to live? Peter didn't give the church this message to cause them to fear the punishment of God but to call them to something better, something more, to be holy as he is holy. And we need to discern and begin to walk in it. If you fail to judge what is right and wrong, you're gonna fall into judgment. God doesn't want that for you. He wants something more. Let me pray. Lord, I ask that even now you would bring correction and truth. Lord, we know that you are full of grace and truth. And so today, Lord, we, we embrace both. We thank you for the grace and the forgiveness and for what your son did for us on the cross. Lord, we don't deserve that. That's grace. And Lord, we thank you that you call us to something more and that you've given us the power and the means to be godly in a world that is not, to be holy in the midst of a world that is a mess. God, I pray even now that we would be surrendering those areas of our life, those habits, those things that we are engaged with that do not belong to a godly lifestyle. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness and we surrender those that we might live differently and that we might be holy. We pray this in the power and the name of Jesus. Amen.